Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Let me let me let me ask a question. Is a fire pit is a fire pit a joy or a killjoy? Is a fire pit a joy or a killjoy? It's a joy, huh? It's a joy. I I would kind of say depends. Depends on the, the fire pits in the backyard or the living room. All right, so let that stick in your head, and we'll come back, we'll come back to that. We're in a series called The Vine, where we're taking a look at uh, one of the last teachings of Jesus. We're hours away from his death. We're, we're, we're literally probably an hour or two away from his arrest. And so he's teaching his disciples what he wants his disciples to know, uh, the, 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 the last thing he wants to be ringing in their ears before he dies. And the what of that is, remain in me. The Christians, the follower of Christ, Three-word job description, remain in me. That's all we have to know. That's all we have to memorize. Remain in me. And then last week, we took a look at, well, uh, uh, let me stop a second. Maybe you think it's weird that a, that a guy who's about ready to die would say, remain in me. I mean, that is kind of weird, kind of creepy, kind of Halloween-ish. But the guy rose from the grave. And if you have a hard time believing in the resurrection, I get it. Yeah, people don't re- resurrect from the grave all that often. It's like, say, try once. But, but, but see, the thing is, if you just play along with me here for just a moment, if you give us that maybe, maybe some dude that claimed to be God actually rose from the grave... If he said to remain in me, I mean, that's a powerful, pretty powerful, powerful statement. And then last week, we took a look at why. Why remain in Jesus? Who is this guy to tell us to remain in him? First of all, he said, you're going to produce fruit. And we're talking about God fruit. The number one God fruit that he wants to produce in all of our life is life transformation. To take your life and, and, and allow it to never be the same again. And we cannot do that apart from Christ. He said, without me, you can do nothing. Why? Without him, we can do nothing. We cannot do life transformation. And the second part of that is, uh, without him, we are nothing. We are nothing without him. Our whole identity, he wants our whole identity to be wrapped up in him. If we lose our life, we will actually gain it. He will be our life. And so, after we ask the word why and answer the word, uh, answer it, then we ask, or what, and then why... We come usually to the question, how? Right? How? So now we've got remain in me. This guy who says he's going to die and resurrect, and he does, and he ascends into heaven, and now he's, he's, he's invisible in that. We cannot go, hey, look, Jesus. How do we remain in a guy that's sitting in heaven? It's kind of an odd thing to think about, right? So the good news is, is that he answers this question. We get to eavesdrop in on this conversation that happened 2,000 years ago. We're going to be John chapter 15. If you have the Crosspoint app, you can look into resources and follow along there. The Bible app, you can follow along in a live event, uh, throw the scriptures up on the screen, or you can crack open a hardbound Bible. And, uh, we, we encourage you to... to, to Take notes and, 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 and everything to, to, to get more. And we encourage you to post to social, social media as well and, and let everybody know what God is doing in your life through, through his word. John chapter 15, and, 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 and Lydia uh, uh, didn't get with you. Uh, I'm going to cut this up. I'm not going to read it all at one time. So I'm going to make your job more difficult. Sorry. But I'm up here. You're back there. You just got to live with it. 
But if you remain in me and my words remain in you. How do we remain in Jesus? How do we remain in Jesus? Number one, we remain in Jesus by remaining in his word. By remaining in his word. Now, uh, kind of uh, 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 disclaimer here. Uh, if we take these five things we're going to talk about, starting with his word, if we take these five things that, that we're talking about and we make these five things the end game, we're going to become legalists. See, these only describe how we, how we remain in Jesus. If we use these as I want to remain in Jesus, so therefore I want these five things a part of my life, we'll get it right. If we make these five things the end game, we'll get it wrong and we'll become legalists. But, 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 but he says, remain in my word, my words. Now, your small groups can get into kind of the history of the Bible and, and, and how we came about the Bible that we have. I'm not going to get into that today, but... We have 66 books and letters and writings that we, 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 we have compiled into uh, the, the, the Bible that is extremely powerful. 2 Timothy 3.16, we're not going to throw the actual scriptures on the, we'll put the references in. And if you're following along in the live app, uh, you see the reference. But it says that the Bible is God-breathed. God breathed. He used guys in their context, guys with their personality that he gave them, but it is God breathed. It is powerful. And he goes on to say it, is, it trains us in righteousness. And so, uh, so we're going to get more into righteousness a little bit later, but essentially righteousness ends with our utmost joy in mind. But God's word is there not for us to learn and get a bunch of Bible trivia that's not there for that so that we can go on Jeff Foxworthy's show and win some money. It's not there for that. It is there for life. See, Jesus told this to, some, to the religious leaders. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. They searched the scriptures. Some of them had the entire Old Testament memorized. Better get started, right? Entire Old Testament memorized. At least the first five books of it. You know, all the parts that we skip because it's too boring, they've got it memorized. And they think that, the, that in the scriptures they find life, but he says, the scriptures point to me. You refuse to come to me to receive this life. He said, the scriptures do not hold the life. I hold the life. The scriptures point to me. And as we remain in him, God's going to put a desire in us to remain in God's word. We give you these reading plans simply as a, as a way of going, hey, look, you don't know where to start. Here you go. Here's a place to start where, we're, where a lot of us are, are, are starting and at. And we give you the blah to be able to go, how do you find life in the scriptures? In fact, some of you may be like, I don't know how to read the Bible. The good news is if we go to the Bible for life instead of information, it gets easier. Because all we got to do is go, God, show me your life and your word. Not let me figure out and have memorized every step of Jesus along the way. He simply wants to give you life through his word. And we're reading through John right now from the, from the context of, of how is Jesus going to give us life. And it's been, it's been life-giving to read it from that, from that viewpoint. And to be able to then go, man, God, I, I want more of this life. Capital L life. Life abundant. And that abundant life that we see in John chapter 10 is really a, a, a life that is unlike anybody else's. 
God's word. Remain in God's word. And he goes on, if my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. It will be granted. Our American Santa Claus mindset loves this verse. Anything I want will be granted to me. I want a Lamborghini. No, I want a Maserati. No, I'll just pray for a Lamborghini and I'll let God figure it out, right? It's not, if you remain in my word, you can ask whatever I want. We've got to be tethered to God's word. God's word is about life in the kingdom. And so therefore, if we're tethered to God's word, we will end up praying for kingdom things. The disciples' prayer, you know it. Maybe you're like, I don't know the disciples' prayer. What's the disciples' prayer? I don't know the disciples' prayer. I don't. Yes, you do. You know it in warbly voice. Our Father, who art, right, 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 Phil, next week, right? We know it in warbly voice. No, 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 that's the Lord's prayer. No, 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 that's not the Lord's prayer. It was the Lord teaching us how to pray. And several years ago, when I was doing Sermon on the Mount and creating a, a Disciple Now curriculum around that for when Lydia was, was, was in youth, I, I, I was studying that and go, I mean, he's serious. He's like, pray this. And if Jesus says, pray this, maybe we should maybe go, oh, maybe he wants us to pray this. I think that is, he wants that as an outline for us to pray. And the Lord's Prayer, all it is, is about us in the kingdom and the kingdom in us. So our prayer list, is it more about us getting a list of things or is it about the kingdom and us and us in the kingdom? Because see, this verse, this verse can get us disillusioned. We went up to Baldwinsville, New York. Many of you know this outside of Syracuse to, 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 to plant a church. And of course, we're praying for kingdom things, right? Plant a church and get a church planted and people to find Christ and, 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 and all of this. And then I would listen to other, uh, other church planters say, we prayed for a hundred and God did immeasurably more, which it says this in Ephesians 3.20, immeasurably more. And, and we prayed for a hundred, we got 200. Like, okay, I'll pray, I'll pray. I'll pray for a hundred and get five. You're like, oh, yeah, right, like, poor Shane, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. And there was a time period in there where it's like, whatever I prayed for, I got the opposite. And I apologize for this language, but this is how I felt. I got to a point where I was just like, screw prayer. If this is how you're going to do this, God, look, you said, forget it. And he used this passage in its entirety. He used Ephesians 3.20. And he used another passage out of Hebrews to show me. See, we've got to be tethered to God's word. Let's actually read what Ephesians 3.20 has to say. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work, where? Within us. Not without us, not in numbers that we want and outside fruit that we want that'll make us, us look good. Mighty power at work within us. The number one fruit that God wants to produce in our life is transformation, a transformed life. To accomplish infinitely, and other translations says abundantly more than what we might ask or think. 
This is what Paul, and this is in the middle, actually this is a prayer of Paul for the Ephesians, that what he wants for them is that, that God will give you a transformed life unlike you ever expected. See, we've got to be anchored in God's word, and when we pray God's word, we find life. Instead of just praying for what we want. And through this entire process, including getting to the point where I'm just like, forget prayer, God was doing something that was inside of us that we could not ask for. And he had to use pain to do that. And we all understand this, but again, excuse me, but pain sucks, right? Put your hair in your chest. Who cares? I, haven't, I still haven't seen that, okay? It's still awful. I'm not going to prove it to you, but it's not there. At least I'm not a Chia pet, right? <laughs> I didn't name names, bro. You feeling guilty? <laughs> if we get 300 people, we'll, we'll shave CPF into your back. Yeah, that sound good? <laughs> Where was I? Squirrel? Okay, prayer. Yes, prayer. Maybe <laughs> pray. Pray not for that. Pray not for that. Somebody's got to do that, right? You're not doing that to yourself. <laughs> Who's volunteering? Anybody? 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 Bueller? Okay, that's what I thought. Scott, of course, Scott. Yeah, Scott's like, I'm all over that, bro. B. Yeah, yeah. Prayer. We've got to remain in prayer. Next, he says this. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. This is the one we, this is the one we love. You know? Remain in my love. Ah, kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. Yeah. Here's the deal. God loves you. Remain in his love. He loves you unconditionally. He doesn't know what I've done. Well, actually, he kind of does. Well, but, okay, Paul was murdering Christians. David murdered uh, well, actually slept with one of his best friend's wives and then murdered him. Uh, just watch ABC for that one, right? Um, let's see. Uh, uh, Solomon, he was all jacked up. Um, just read the Bible. Think God can't love you. Read the Bible and you're like, oh, maybe God can love me. He loves you unconditionally no matter what you've done, what you're doing, or what you're going to do because he knows it all already. And, and, and if you ever wonder if God loves you, just, just, just think this. He sent his son on the cross to die for my sin. This is the apex of the five. And then Jesus says this, when you obey my commands, you remain in my love just as I obey my father's commands and remain in his love. Maybe you're like, oh, yeah, there's the command, church, rules thing. Yeah, well, see, that's where I check out. See what he's saying there, though. If you remain in my love, you will remain in my commands. This doesn't mean if you remain in my commands, you will remain in my love. This is a whole, that, that's, a, that's, a whole different, that's a whole different deal. See, if we love somebody, we'll remain in their commands. We'll want to do what they want us to do. And so if we remain in his loves, it becomes natural to remain in his commands. 
And then if we remain in his commands, this is what he says about that. I have told you these things, as in remain in my commands, so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. As some of you are like, that's where I'm way out. Commands are a kill joy, right? That's a kill joy. If I, if I follow rules, that's going to kill it. Well, look, that's what I said earlier. If we remain in God's commands as the end, we'll become legalist and we will become killjoys. But if we remain in his righteousness and his commands, we will find full joy. See, this series and really this entire year is about finding freedom in life. Freedom, we have defined freedom as Americans, the, 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 the ability to do whatever we want to do. That is not freedom. Freedom is the ability to do whatever we want to do without consequences. That's freedom. So let's illustrate all of this this way. Let's come back to that fire pit. Is fire pit a joy or a killjoy? Well, if it's in the backyard, it's a, it's a joy. We stole a fire pit from our neighbors uh, this past week, and we've been enjoying it this week. No, not, not really. They set it out on the curb and said free, okay? So just, you know, just relax, relax. Pastor's not stealing stuff much anyway. So on Monday night, we, we, we got the fire going and everything, you know, did the whole s'mores thing. I did crackers and, and, and graham crackers and, and marshmallows, you know, leave out the chocolate because that's disgusting. But anyway, uh, uh, you did the whole thing and, and the boys, you know, freaked us out because they're all running around and stuff and like fire and Isaiah fire, like, just don't touch the fire, you know. We came in, just like, I was like, we got to do that every week, you know, that was so much fun, and I was like, that was so much fun and stuff, and like, yeah, okay, but it'd take us a week to forget how scared we were about all this and stuff. So it's a joy, right? I think we can apply it this way. God's word and prayer, the kindling, I guess the fire started inside of us. God's love, that's the warmth, right? That's the, that's the fun part. It's the warmth and the enjoyment of the fire. And we get, you know, the warm fuzzies by being by the fire and all cuddly and stuff. The fire has one command. What's that? Don't touch me. Don't touch me. And if we follow that command, we get to enjoy the fire, right? We get to enjoy the fire if we follow that command. We get joy out of the fire. Let's say we go, freedom's getting to do whatever we want. So I want to bring the fire pit into the living room. When we pull, pull the fire pit in the living room, we stoke the fire with our flesh and our passion. And look, flesh and passion actually probably makes a bigger fire than God's word and prayer. If we were really honest, I mean, I know we're in church, like, oh, God's prayer and fire in us. And it's like, and step out of this, we'll be actually honest and say, yeah, probably my passion and desire for the lust of this world is probably greater. So the fire will become greater. And we get to enjoy the warmth, right? We enjoy the high of what we've done in sin. But the fire is in the house, right? We've broken the commandment of the fire. And the house starts to go up in flames. 
But what do we do? Remember, remember, we, we, we think freedom is doing whatever we want to, but we know intuitively that freedom is doing whatever we want to without consequences. So what do we do when we bring the fire in and we have stoked the fire and the fire is out of control in our living room? What do we do? We put protection around the fire. Got to contain the fire, right? I want to contain this fire. I want to I I put protection around this fire so that, so that the fire doesn't get out of control. I want to I protect myself against the fire that is in the living room. Does that work? No, it doesn't work. Your house is still made of wood and carpet and flammable things. And it gets to the hairspray and just, it, it all just goes crazy. And the fire becomes a killjoy. And then we could try and turn to religion and to put out our own fire. But it seems like every time we try to put out the fire, the fire catches something else on fire. What do we do? Well, the good news is, is that God already solved the problem. Jesus died on the cross with our sins on his back in order to put out the fire for us. But he's given us this gift of repentance. And repentance is this. Confession with action. Confession is saying, God, my house is on fire. Put it out. That's confession. And he said, I, I, I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sins if you simply just confess to me. He will put out the fire. But repentance is confession with action. God puts out the fire, looks at us, looks at the fire pit, and looks at the back door. Looks at us, looks at the fire pit, looks at the back door. Like, oh, we should take the fire pit outside. Yeah, that makes sense. But what do we do? We want to argue with God, right? But God, it was so much fun. I can just hold on to this, right? Come on, just this. As God is looking around at your charred, burned up house. How fun was this? Oh yeah, that wasn't too much fun, was it? So we take the fire pit outside. And Isaiah says that by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. He heals our charred, burned up house. Now there's going to be chars and scars that will remain, but he's going to use that in the new house. And then righteousness, he gives us his righteousness. Think about that. God of the universe came down, lived a completely perfect life, completely righteous life, and he said, I'm going to give you this. That's the furnishings to make the house beautiful. And see, righteousness, I'm here to tell you righteousness, righteousness is the ability to live a life without consequences. That's freedom. That's true freedom. If you struggle to go, I don't know about commands, just think about this. If you actually follow and listen to what God has to say, it is a life without consequences. You never have to wake up that next morning and wonder, what have I done? Ever. And that's joy, right? That's true freedom. Now, we take the fire pit outside to only, at times, bring it back in, don't we? 
We're human. We like to play with fire. There's a little bit of beef and some butthead in all of us. Fire, 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 fire. Right, PA? Yeah. And so this is why in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said as part of your habit, pray, God forgive me. God forgive me. He's not surprised that we try to bring the fire back in. That's why his sacrifice is once and for all. If your house is burning down right now, we want you to find the salvation that God offers. And that's what salvation means. God stopping the burning house. We want you to find that. And it's as simple as saying, God, put out the fire. But Jesus gives us this for a couple of reasons. One, he wants us to grow. He wants us to grow in him. This is a reap and sow deal. The more we reap into these five, the more we will sow a life of fruit in Christ in a transformed life. But secondly, he want, the, uh, transformed lives is God's marketing strategy. Like, oh, hold on, wait a minute, marketing in the church? No, hold on. God invented marketing before we ever thought of the word. It's all wrapped up in the word glory. I skipped a, uh, I skipped a verse in there when I was going through this. When you produce much fruit, then you are my true disciples. The other translations say you prove to be my disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. If I were starting a company, my, my company would be invisible to people, including and especially including those who need to know about my widget and to get life from my widget. And so the process of making my invisible company visible is what? Marketing. That word glory, we spiritualize it. Oh, God's glory was with us today. Usually that means I felt good about the music today in church. That's usually what we mean by glory. It's not what glory means. Now, we could experience God's warmth and God's love, and that's like the fire aspect of that, but that's not glory. Glory, the idea behind glory is making, is making the invisible visible. It's God's marketing plan. And especially it has the context of beauty, making the invisible visibly beautiful. And God's marketing plan is transformed lives. Our lives are transformed not so that we can live in our nice little house and go, look how pretty I am. But as I heard one preacher say this week, we are transformed so we can go to the gates of hell and rescue people out of their burning house. We've got a long way to go there, and I've got a long way to go there. But that's why we're transformed. That's why we do things like the haunted house, just simply to connect people to this church so that ultimately we can have the chance to rescue them from their burning house. Let me ask you this. Action plan. Which one of these five has God laid, you, laid on your heart this morning? Did you say, yeah, I need to focus on this one. I need to focus on remaining in this one. If you say your house is burning this morning, we're going to have people around the room to pray with you, and they simply are here to pray with you, not to condemn you, but to pray with you so that, so that you can experience God's love through His forgiveness and salvation. For the rest of us, start on your prayer work this week. God, teach me how you want me to grow. Teach me how you want me to grow.
because He wants us to grow in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for this time. I thank You for this day. I thank You that You've outlined how You want us to grow, how You want us to remain in You. Lord, I just pray that You will um, give us life through this, that we don't become legalists like we're just doing these five just to do them, but that we're doing these five so that You can have a relationship with us. Teach us to remain in you. Teach us how to grow. It's your name we pray. Amen.